Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Started a series a few weeks ago as we began this summer. Hot topics for a hot summer. It really is hot outside. And my hope and prayer is that these various topics will help us as believers. Today's hot topic is be a man or be a woman. Be a man or be a woman. Now, you're here today, you're watching Facebook Live, you're on the radio, and you're confused about whether or not you're a man or a woman. I want to share with you as Mississippi as I can. The devil done duped you. Now, I don't say that with glee. I say that with a sense of um, hopefully compassion, uh, concern, and conviction. Because when I deal with these hot topics, I'm not trying to share uh, things that I'm real passionate about necessarily, but as believers, all these things that we talk about, we should be passionate about. I'm I'm not sharing with you because some of us find it very difficult in the world in which we live in, or if we travel from state to state to, um, tolerate some of the things that we're exposed to in our day but never 20 30 40 years ago when it comes to be a man be a woman I I, I'm trying to share with you what God's word says about it not what the world says but what God's word says about it so we can stand strong on it as fathers We need to know. If you're raising your children in the world in which we live in today, we need to know what God's Word says about this subject. And we need to be clear that we believe it and we stand on it. Not what the teacher says, not what the principal necessarily says or what others may say in the world, but what does God say? So that's where we're headed. If you hadn't already turned there, I want you to turn to Genesis so often if we go, Genesis 1, if we go back to Genesis, we can clear up a lot. And the reality is I can share this one verse and we could actually close our Bibles and go home because to me it's really, really clear. Now we're not going to do that. We're going to share some other references. When you have a primary text and you bring in other scripture, that's called cross-references. So we'll be looking at an Old Testament passage, a New Testament passage as well, and some other cross-references along the way. If you have your listening sheet, uh, your bulletin on the back of that, you'll see that we clearly have three points. I've been to the Southern Baptist Convention this past week and learned that that's still what we do, three points. So here we go, Genesis 1, 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created 
them, male and female. He created them. In the Hebrew language, it's the idea of the potter and the clay, where God, the God of the universe, the creator God, who created all things and created us, male and female, in his image, is the master sculptor of creating man and creating woman. When I was a sophomore at Mississippi College years ago, I needed after my first year to get my GPA up a little bit, grade point average. I'll not go into great detail, but my dad felt like it would be a good idea for me to get my GPA up. Coach did, others did, and I did too after I saw what it was after that first year. That first year, books got in the way of having a good time. I thought college was just, you know, an opportunity to have fun, play ball, you know, have fun with the guys and go to the library to meet girls. I didn't know you were supposed to study the library. So I needed something along with some core classes to get my GPA up. And so there was no basket weaving class at Mississippi College, but there was a pottery class. And my older sister, who majored in art, thought that maybe there was a hidden talent in me because our grandfather on the Oak Street side was an architect. How you could do this, Mr. Walsh is a great professor. He knows your family. It will be kind of like basket weaving. So I did. I took pottery. And I did so well that I found out it helped my GPA. I took pottery one and pottery two the next semester. It was good. Mr. Walsh. Well, he liked my family. He didn't necessarily, I don't know if he liked me, but he was gracious to me. And this is what I found. When I first, one of the first pots I made is fantastic. Not really because of me, though I have. It's in my office. I have my initials on the bottom, HK. He came over there and saw what I was doing and thought, I've got to help. Kathy's little brother. I've got to help Harold Jr. And so he was a master at making pottery. He came over. I'm telling you, if you come see that pot, you'll say, you made this. No, you're right. You explained it. Really, you kind of made it. It's got your initials. But he, I mean, it looks good. It's got a lid on it. He came over there and shaped. He just shaped it up. It was looking bad. It was whoppy-jawed. It was everywhere. Shaped it up and then made a lid for it, and it fits on there. I'm telling you, it's an incredible pot. Because Mr. Lewis Walsh, God rest his soul, helped a brother out and made it what it needed to be. Now listen, we're talking about the God of the universe. He shaped us, male and female. He knows what he's doing. If there is confusion... It is not because of him. It is not because of a clear word in his word in the Old and New Testament. Somewhere along the way, the enemy has duped a person or a group of people. And it's really sad. But we need to understand how to handle this as believers 
because God does not make mistakes. Point number one, gay is not okay. Not according to the Bible. Now, let me say this for some older folks in here. There was a time we'd use the word gay quite a bit. It's equivalent to happy. And, and we'd think nothing about it 20, 30, 40 years. Hey, that's a gay fella. Me, he's a happy fella. Now, today, if somebody, if I go downtown and I go get something to eat and I'm on the, the sidewalk and they say, oh, you're, I, I wanted to meet you, you're Hal, I heard you're at East Haven, and I heard you're a gay fella. I might just, you know, look at them like this. Like, really? But not 30, 40 years ago. That means happy. But that's not the connotation that most people use it for today. It's a shame. There's some good words that have kind of become bad. And, and yet, if they're used in the right way, they're not bad. It's kind of like the rainbow. We see the rainbow and we know in the Bible what it means. And yet... There's some that don't see the rainbow like we do, and it can have a negative or a bad connotation. So the first thing I want you to know, according to God's Word, is gay, meaning homosexual tendency or practices, is not okay. Now, there are gay bashers and gay crashers. You say, well, what do you mean? There are those that like to bash gays, throw rocks at them, as if the person is perfect and they have no weaknesses or issues. But man, they can't wait to throw some rocks at some homosexuals. And they'll be the first to pick them up and start tossing them. That is not what the church of Jesus Christ is all about. And if we need to be reminded, we can just turn to 1 Corinthians where Paul's writing to the church about doctrinal matters, family matters, all kinds of uh, issues that are really important for the the church then and today. And in chapter 6, just read beginning with verse 9, it says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God, meaning those that practice sin. There's no conviction. They're flippant. There's no repentance. They just go ahead and do whatever feels good. And here's what he's saying. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And he has a list here. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with the men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, drunkards, slanderers, swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. He's saying, Christ has washed our sins away. And because we're here, we're in the sanctification process, growing in our relationship, spiritually mature to be more like him. That is a list of things. Homosexuality was one thing that's listed on the list. Now, we're, 
We're not about being bashers. We shouldn't be. But we should be crashers. Crashing the party and letting them know, no, 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 no. That's not okay. I I know your teacher said that, and I know your book said that, that that you're studying at the university, and the professor said that, and and I know it may not be, uh, it might be counterculture, and I may you you be be frowned upon, but we need to crash the party. We need to make sure that we understand what the Bible says about this subject, no matter what the world says, and stand strong on it in the right way all the time. So, what does the Bible say? Well, it says a lot. Let's go to an Old Testament passage, then a New Testament passage. Here's what it says in Leviticus 18.22. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is abomination. In the New Testament, Romans 1, 26 and 27. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. It's wrong. It's sin. It's clear. In the book, Is God Anti-Gay? It says this, the Bible allows for disagreements on certain issues. In Romans 14, Paul speaks about disputable matters and the calls on his readers to be convinced in their own mind of what they think, but he also argues that there are other issues that are non-negotiables, issues where the gospel is at stake. 1 Corinthians 15, he reminds his readers of the matters of first importance that he had earlier taught them and which stood at the heart of their gospel faith. Homosexuality is a gospel issue. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 that we read, and then Revelation 2, 20 through 21, some forms of tolerance are sinful. And if as a church we don't stand on the truth on this issue, who else will? This is a non-negotiable. This is a gospel issue, folks. People are not always able to control how or what they feel. It goes for all of us. But we can control, or they can control, what they do with those feelings. 1 Peter 1, 5, and 8 help us know that. We may feel a certain way. We may have grown up a certain way. But that doesn't mean we have to act a certain way or respond a certain way. Jesus was tempted in every way, yet without sin. It's what we do with those thoughts. We have all the responsibility to resist temptation, Ephesians 6.13. We must all be transformed by the renewing of our minds, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We must also walk by the Spirit so as not to gratify the desire of the flesh. Galatians 5.16, according to the Bible, God's forgiveness is available to the homosexual just as it is to the adulterer. 
idol worshiper, murderer, and thief. God promises the strength for victory over sin, including homosexuality, to all those who will believe on Jesus Christ for their salvation. He changes everything. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that means the sin of homosexuality as well as an adulterer, a liar, And many other things. And we are all wretched sinners saved by the grace of God. But God can help us with the temptations that we deal with. He can. It says it in his word. Point number two. Gender change is not okay. Ain't no, I'm going to go Mississippi on you again. Ain't no such thing as no he, she, or she, he. It's not here. Meaning when I say that, I can say ain't and dupe and stuff like that. Florida, they didn't always understand me, so. Transsexualism, also known. As transgenderism, gender identity disorder, GID for short, or gender dysphoria is a feeling, a feeling that your biological, genetic, physiological gender does not match the gender your identity with and or perceive yourself to be. That's what it means in a nutshell. These individuals often describe themselves as feeling trapped in a body that does not match their true gender. All modern-day speculation about numerous genders or gender fluidity or even a gender continuum with unlimited genders is foreign to the Bible. The Greek word translated homosexual offenders or male prostitutes in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, literally means effeminate men. So while the Bible does not directly mention transgenderism, when it mentions other instances of gender confusion, it clearly and explicitly identifies them as sin. No matter if the gender distortion has a genetic, hormonal, physiological, psychological, or spiritual cause, it can be overcome and healed through faith in Christ and continued reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit of God. The Corinthians believers are an example of such a change. Listen to this. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed You are sanctified, as we read. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. There is hope for everyone. Transsexuals, transgender, those with gender identity disorder, or transvestites included, because of God's forgiveness available in Jesus Christ, He changes everything. He makes All things new. He makes everything new. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. It's either true or not true. I believe it is true. Nothing has changed here. 
regardless of the fact that our society has drifted away from this truth that we're speaking of today. So, how big is our God? How big is your God? We ask ourselves. Some men that need to take off that dress and put some Levi's on. Some women need to replace them faded jeans with a classy white dress with red shoes because Jesus washes as white as snow to his shed blood. Our God is not the author of confusion. Be who God made you to be. Be a man or be a woman. But God knows what he's doing. We should never question what God creates and what he can do with a life that is put their faith and trust in Christ alone. It's a different world. Number three, godly manhood is a-okay. We want to be kingdom men, guys. I uh, heard with a sense of great loss that Michael Catt passed away this past week. Michael Catt, retired pastor of a church uh, in Albany, Georgia. He's a Mississippi. Uh, he was a Mississippi boy, uh, grew up on the coast, went to Mississippi College, a little older than me, but a great man. He helped produce a number of films that you may have watched. Flywheel, um, Courageous, and others. Facing the Giants is one of my favorites. He's written books. He's mentored a lot of people. He was a, he was a great man. He battled cancer and uh, just didn't make it. And so we heard that this week. Here's what he said about godly manhood we need men in the church to step up inside the church i find that godly fathers are an endangered species now michael cat was adopted by the way and yet the heavenly father helped him know how to father his daughters the reason he said we don't have fireproof lives is because we believe there's middle ground We have bought the lie that compromise is acceptable. If a person does not make the word of God his guide, the way of God his aim, and the will of God his one desire, he will always be susceptible to failure. It was Abraham in the Old Testament that said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Dads, it may be difficult to raise that daughter in this day and age or that teenage son but you should say like Abraham as for me and my house we will serve the Lord and you do it with a sense of humility humility and trusting in God and saying God I'm sorry or sometimes to your children I'm sorry when we go astray or we do wrong because we make mistakes But our desire is to abide in Christ and grow in him. And if we didn't have a godly father, we learn from others. And most of all, we learn from the perfect father above.
And so what does it mean to be a godly man? I like the way one author put it, and I'm going to go through this pretty fast. Repents when he sins, 1 John 1, 9. Considers himself dead to sin but alive to God, Romans 6. Seeks to remain humble rather than exalt himself, Proverbs 27, 2. Is a servant rather than demanding that he be served, Mark 10, 25. Leads by example, 1 Timothy 4, 12. If married, loves his wife as Christ loved the church, Ephesians 5, 25. Lives in sexual purity, honoring God with his body, 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Seeks to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5, 18. Desires to please the Lord more than himself, 2 Corinthians 5, 9, bears the fruit of the kingdom, John 15, 5 through 8. A godly man is not a perfect man, but the godly man embraces his manhood and knows that Jesus, not the world, has set the standard for what it means to be a real man. He does not excuse the sins and weaknesses he finds in himself, but he continually surrenders those areas to God, asks for his help in overcoming them, Romans 6, 11 through 14, regardless of his physical appearance, social status, or economic standing. Any man can be a godly man if he loves God with all his heart and seeks to obey him in every area of his life. Luke 10, 27, Galatians 2, 20. Back to the potter and the clay. Who is shaping you to be like Christ? Who is shaping me to be like Christ? If you're a man, be a man. And if you're a woman, be a woman. God, help us to be who you made us to be. Help us to want what you want. Help us to do what is right, regardless of what the world says. And God, as we stand on our convictions, help us to love well as well as live well. And only you can help us do that in the world in which we live in. So we ask this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. I want to ask you to stand for a moment. Let me explain the invitation. Sure. It's always, always a place for you to come to faith in Christ, to meet with someone and say, I want to know what this means to have a relationship with Jesus. I'm sure I have one. That's always what this is about. Every Sunday morning. Somebody will talk with you, explain it to you, and not embarrass you. It's also a place to come with something else you may have been contemplating, join this church, finding out what that means. But let me tell you what else it is. We do have an altar right here. And it may be that you need to come pray for somebody in your family or your neighborhood or your school or your workplace that deals with this. Or you know somebody that knows somebody and this has caused great confusion and problems in their home. And it might be today's the day while it's fresh on your mind that the Holy Spirit leads you. And you can pray right there where you are. But it may be you just need to come and just pray for that individual, that family, or that person. I don't know. This is God's invitation. And this is an opportunity for us to respond publicly to his 
invitation. The staff will be at the front to receive you.